This is How to Product. We make the mistakes. So you don't have to. I'm Nick. I'm Tal. And I'm Strami. And so we've been talking about how products can be high quality. One of those aspects is good design. And good products have good design. So what does this what does this actually mean? What is good design? Uh, it is more that it's more than it's just pretty. Pretty is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty is not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, Really, what we mean is that it's usable in this case. And so people are able to use it. And this is not the same thing as useful, which was our mm. first episode yes. of the season. Yes. And so there we kind of worked on uh, solving a real problem. And here we're going to focus more on usability. And don't worry, we will have an entire episode on making things pretty. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. You want, want to hear it now? Yeah. 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 Yes. Find a designer. Mm-hmm. And make them your friend. And that is the entire episode on yep. how to make things pretty because we are PMs and we don't know how to do that. Yep. And designers can also help with the usability piece as oh, well. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Excellent. So today, uh, working through the usableness, <laughs> use, Real useful, word there. usable, yeah. maybe we need better words for that. I like usableness. It. Uh, so, Nick, how would you? How would you? One aspect of having a uh, usable product is that it's discoverable. How would you explain discoverability to someone? Yeah. Uh, so to be able to, so to be able to do something with a product, you have to be able to know that you can do it and mm-hmm. how to do it. Yep. So discoverability is really that a user can like look at your product and they can see. Hmm. I think I can use this to order a car, order some food, or you know, update my settings. And then that they actually can see how they should do that in the product. But there, there are a bunch of examples, or at least one comes to mind, that's pretty much directly counter to that with Snapchat, which at least the first time I used it, I had no idea how to do anything. And I think that's actually sort of a key part yeah, that, I mean, that's, of their approach. There. I think we're just going to show our age if we try to talk about Snapchat. I've never <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. used it myself. but <laughs> My parents I, use Snapchat. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, that's how they communicate with me. With you? Yeah, and my brother. That's fantastic. It's Do wonderful. either of you sna- use Snapchat with anyone else? And and not really. But <laughs> and, and so, but but like on on the topic of of uh, usableness, like discoverability, that is one thing that Snapchat does not do a particularly good job of, and it's evidenced in how we don't seem to know how to use those features despite having tried the product. Yep. Yeah. So I mean. I think like when I when I think about something being discoverable, there's this concept uh, from well, firstly, if you if you're interested in usability, you should all just read the book Design of Everyday Things because yeah, everything we're going to talk about is basically just an abridged uh, thing we stole from that book, and it's an amazing <laughs> book. But uh, he the author introduces this concept of affordances or signifiers, is what he actually calls them, which are uh, elements of a design that like give you an idea of how you can actually use it. So like buttons, sliders, mm-hmm. things like that. So when a design is discoverable, it means that you know you can actually see these things and you have an idea of like, you know, this button says settings, so you know, pressing it means I can find it. But if you're if you're given a design, right, you're in a design review or something yeah. like that, how do you Ooh. assess if something is discoverable? Like are there ways that you found that you can sort of teach yourself what to look for? Yeah, so this is like that's actually super interesting because it gives the, the thing that plagues design, you know, when you're building something, like whether mm-hmm. you're a designer, the engineer, the PM, is that you really know how it works because you know you're trying to build yeah. something so you know how it works. 
and so you, it's like there's you this proposed like it or there's you, yeah you, there's you this curse of knowledge where it's really hard yeah. for you to put yourself in that like new fresh users perspective mm-hmm. and see how it is and it's really a skill to basically like learn how to like see a product as if you were a user who knew nothing about it and um one or, way you, or to have processes like doing usability testing where you bring in people and observe right. that's like one way yes to have you can that do skill. that and, and that's actually how you also can get better at that skill is because when you see a bunch of people who actually know nothing about a product <laughs> trying to use it is you can start like yep. simulating that in your own head Yep, building that intuition for yourself. So if you haven't done this yet, you should definitely There is nothing try. more painful than watching someone try to use your product. Yeah. It, it's know, great. It just hurts at pain, the same Pain is time. what makes us stronger at all. Great. What fun. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another thing, too, I heard once, and this is actually a concept from video game design, mm-hmm. it was where I first heard it, is something called the squint test. And so in the video game context, it's like, you should be able to, if you squint at the screen, it should always be like you can kind of see where you should go. Like it should be like light mm. versus dark. And in a product context, it's like if you squint at the screen, you should probably be able to see what the most important action is yeah. on the screen at the time. This also means you should know what the most important action oh, is. Oh, that's yeah, getting deep and philosophical there. But mm. that goes back more to the useful piece. So we're going to separate that out for mm. now. Yeah. So what are like the um, biggest, I would say, uh, you know, do you have any interesting like discoverability stories or like times where you've screwed it up or seen it massively screwed up? Yeah, I guess for me, one thing that I always find challenging or have found challenging is it's really tempting when you come up with a new feature or something else to use the existing options that you have, right? You might have a list of a drop-down menu with something and you're like, great, new feature, let's put it there. Uh, and that's great, but usually almost always just adding something to the bottom of the list is not taking that step back and thinking about how do you actually make it discoverable? When is someone going to need this to be discoverable? Uh, that's actually a really good point, yeah. actually. that. Um, Thanks, Nick. No, sorry. sorry. <laughs> you got me excited because it's, it's the idea of context, right? Yep. Like the ultimate form of discoverability is like understanding the mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. in which something should be discovered. And you see this a lot now with as like AI is becoming like more and more prominent, that yeah. it's like, hmm, we don't need to think about discoverability because we'll just magically surface this at the right. The so AI shake, magic. Tall is shaking AI her magic. head quite a bit, right? Uh, I mean, I think you have strong opinions about when and how to use AI there, Nick. But, but you know, you know, a classic example of this would be like a password reset form. Like uh, if, if it's linked to from the login page, that is the place in which people may struggle and need to reset yeah. their password, yep. as opposed to being buried in some side menu somewhere that someone has to go find. Right, yeah. it's perfectly in the context, and, and they tend to make that link like appear or be more prominent when you've screwed up a few times. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect example of like contextual discoverability. Yep. And back to, I mean, you mentioned that hiding it in a setting piece. This is, I think, one of my pet peeves. Is it can be really tempting to add a setting. Uh, because you think that the people might need this control or uh, you might have a subset of your yeah. user base that needs something. But Death by a thousand settings. Yes, yeah, that sounds so like your product settings. would not be very focused. <laughs> not be yeah. very focused, uh, uh. yeah. So in addition to discoverability, there is another piece that we really should be talking mm-hmm. about, which is how easy is it to use? Like what is the ease of use of uh, this feature or this product? And so by that, what we mean is like, can can something be done more simply? Uh, can it be done in a way that's fewer steps or fewer clicks or something like that? Yeah, and I think when we were talking earlier, we really broke it down into two two key pieces here for the ease of use. One is, like, how many steps does it take? Uh, and, like, literally walking through that. And the other is sort of the mental load. 
And I know, Nick, you had some great examples of how to evaluate the number of steps that it takes in the wild. You mean some traumatic examples? <laughs> traumatic. <laughs> yeah. Great. Please, please you know. tell. So where, where I got this idea from, which is, okay, so I'm, I'm a pretty new PM at this point, less than a year in, and I'm doing um, a design, the stage. A design like review it. for a very important feature with um, this, this, this vice president of product is there, and there's all these other uh, mm. people as well. Sounds like a fun, fun setting. I, yeah, I was terrified. And uh, I get up and I start, you know, walking through the, the feature mm-hmm. and um, I'm going through it. And I realize that the vice president of product is just counting. And I don't know what he's counting for. He's going one, two, three. And I realize he's counting every time I have to click in order to use this. And it was something, <laughs> oh, no. it, was, it, was, it was six clicks. And it life. definitely without, you know, very little, you know, larger explanation, like hit home that the thing was too convoluted in its current form. So um, count your clicks and reduce Or someone them. else might count them yeah. for yes. you. you. You too can do this earlier on such that yeah. it doesn't have to be in the review. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So we're saying all this, but the, the point is like, you know, well-designed products don't require that many actions, especially for the most commonly used behaviors. Yeah, and this can have a huge effect on how your product is used. I think as one example we were talking about earlier is Instagram, right? Yeah. A lot of like the filter, photo filter right. concept that's integral to how Instagram works isn't novel in and of itself. There's been plenty of photo editing tools on mobile and other form factors, but Instagram sort of turned this on its head and made it a single tap to apply many different photo editing pieces hmm. to one one photo. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of the key insight that made it super usable and really easy to apply yeah. all these changes. Yeah, so it's not, it's not even just like an iterative value on the product by reducing right. the clicks. It was like a transformative. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, and the, the value there is more like communicated as the e- ease of use. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. It was also nice that that was valuable. Well, it, it, I mean, it completely changed the product because right. more people could do it right. than they could do it before which allowed for a lot of things, and it was just way easier to do it, so right. you do it more. Right. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, sorry, there was there was one thing I was going to mention with the, the, the ease of um, clicks. Oh, just just quickly, because, like, I mean, if anyone's ever, if you ever looked at, like, any kind of, like, funnel analytics, like, you mm-hmm. see every time you add a step, like, you have, you can see the actual drop-off, so you know yes. in your feature. You can quantify yes. what yes. the impact of yeah, an added click or removing a click is. One other note, so you know the the number of clicks is one part that we were talking yeah. about, but the other part is the uh, mental load yeah. part of it. And one example that I kind of marvel at still uh, on a on a daily basis how often this is done poorly is uh, with my stovetop, where uh, there's quite yeah. a bit of mental load in trying to figure out which burner maps to which knob or which knob maps to which, which burner. And I, you know, there's usually like some other thing on the stovetop that I really don't want to light on fire by turning it on, <laughs> yeah, high, turning on the risk. wrong burner, exactly. And my parents have this problem, too. They, I can't tell you how many melted spoons and things we have because we turned on the wrong burner uh, when I was growing up. And so by, by having like a little mini map version of burners, that could be one way to uh, reduce the load. And you'll notice that some stovetops do this. Yeah. Um, Don Norman, who I think was the author of that Design Everything Things, he, he talks about stovetops, and this is the concept he calls mapping, mm-hmm. which is that there's the you know the controls the system has, and then there's the model the user has in their head of how to yep. interact with the system, and you know th- that needs to be as one to one as possible. And I mean, touchscreens are pretty much that directly. Right. Right. You yeah. can just yeah. tap on the That's thing you want. That's one reason why right touchscreens are great. The, the other, just one other quickly thing about this, the mental load is it's not even, outside of the mapping, there's also often you're asking users to make a decision or do some action where they have to integrate information 
across like multiple sources, like, and maybe it's possibly multiple pages or different parts of the UI. And just in generally, the closest you can bring those together, and the more clearly you can um, lay it out, the lower the mental yeah. load is in carrying out that action. Yeah, that's a good point. So the third part of usable design that we want to talk about is feedback. Yeah. Uh, and we probably should do that now to make sure we have time in the episode still. So this is like thinking about if the user has all of the information they need at every step of the way so that they don't, they're not like left hanging or wondering, like, hey, did that action actually work? Yeah. Uh, what's the current state? Like, what should I be doing next? Feeling yeah. anxious if they had just paid tall one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> three times. I mean, I was happy about that one. Is this that is, a, is that a problem? I was just recently trying to pay tall, and Venmo had some kind of horrible failed condition where I would hit like yes, pay tall, and it would spin and it would spin, and then it would just go back to the home screen. It was like, it, it, did the transaction go through? Is it queuing somewhere? Yeah. Is it well? What's interesting there is like a spinner or a loading bar is actually an example of a certain amount of feedback You're right. that is quite helpful. They were just missing a critical piece of. Act- Completing that idea, yes, uh, which would have been great if it said you needed. Yes, which would have been great if either it went through or no, there was an error and it did not yep. go through. And especially with something higher stakes like money, you yes. might want a stronger. What you don't want to have to pay twenty times and then I mean, undo I'm, all I'm those payments. I'm still supportive of this. If you'd like <laughs> to pay me twenty times, go for it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to that point, you ended up paying me multiple times. Did I? I think I only paid you. Wait, did I pay you multiple <laughs> times? <laughs> I paid you back, Nick. It's fine. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, But there's also an aspect of undoing that can also be really helpful here. Because especially for certain things, right, you see this in Gmail with their undo send. Right. Right. You don't want things to be too high commitment early on. Right, right. If you think that someone might want to undo it. Yeah, that's actually great. Because when, Strami, when you were talking about this, like, you know, leaving the user hanging, it's really... It's like this huge sense of anxiety, right? That you mm-hmm. don't know what's yep. going on. You don't know if things are happening. It's mm-hmm. it, it's really like anxiety producing. And so, um, in some ways, whenever you have a new product, like I, I don't know if you've ever, I remembered when like my I've seen like my like grandmother have to use technology or something. She was really afraid to do stuff because she didn't even have a good intuition of like what would be maybe like an un undoable yeah. change. And what's so, the scary thing that I can never undo? Yeah, like an undo is like your safety net. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And any way to communicate that early on in the product uh, can be valuable, even before an action is taken. Yeah. Next level design. Uh, so, so the last couple of episodes, we've been over on time, and we're going to make a huge effort today to try and be under, yeah, okay. under so I'm 15 jump in minutes. Here. So, I don't think we ever explicitly told everyone our goal was 15 minutes. But uh, uh, that's well, that's so how they, to they meet your goals. <laughs> don't tell goal. anyone. Yeah, it's a big secret. But to wrap things up, Tall. we're going to give you yeah some, some homework. homework. So to try to avoid this this lovely horror story that Nick Nick had, uh, we want you to pick a feature and count the clicks it takes to get the thing One, done. Two, three, three. Oh gosh. Uh, and once you identify just how many clicks it is, see if you can cut them in half. And how would you redesign that experience to take half as many clicks as you identified? And if you you know really want to be ambitious, go for that context. Think about how you could get it to zero clicks or a single click. Yeah. Um, so with that, this has been How to Product. You've learned how to evaluate usability. Now go make good things happen.